This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 612. I want to tell you now, I don't want you guys to worry during the middle of the week. Um, I do not expect the next episode after this one. So this is episode 612. I'm recording this on Sunday night, Hawaii time. I don't believe the next episode is going to come out. You know, 613 will probably come out like Wednesday because I've got a bunch of film I want to watch between now and recording the next episode. For example, Titans quarterback Will Levis today threw four touchdowns and I want to watch the all 22 version. I want to see what kind of defenses they were playing against him. Um, so I got to wait till film comes out to really cover that the way I want to cover it. So letting you know now, if you're like, Hey, waiting for something Tuesday and there's nothing, don't worry. It's okay. Episodes coming. We're all good. Um, I just have a a vision for what I want to do in the next episode and I can't do it until the film is released. Um, another thing, like I can't wait to watch the Houston Carolina game on the all 22 version. So I can see the defenses because you had two rookie quarterbacks, Bryce Young playing CJ Stroud. That's a game that, to me, deserves a breakdown. So we'll watch that. Uh, you know, Bryce Young got his first ever win against C.J. Stroud. Today we're going to talk about L.A. We're going to talk about the Patriots. We'll talk about Brock Purdy. Before we do anything, though, I got to tell you about our sponsor today. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds you can enter something like Travis Kelsey more than five catches, Tyreek Hill more than 100 yards receiving, and Justin Fields less than 200 yards passing. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay. And they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com/clns and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/clns code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, guys, let's jump in. I want to talk about Sunday night football. Got to drink water before we do that, though. On Sunday night football, the LA Chargers beat the Chicago Bears 30-13. to And the, I think, most interesting storyline here was Bears rookie quarterback Tyson Bajan. Remember his story? He's really cool. Division II quarterback last year at a school called Shepard in West Virginia. Division II quarterback was undrafted, did not get drafted, made the Bears roster, became the backup quarterback. Last week made his first ever NFL start. He beat the Raiders. It was pretty cool. You know, undrafted rookie quarterback, Division II quarterback, beating the Las Vegas Raiders. That's wild. This week he made his second ever NFL start. And uh, I don't know. It's a cool story. I like him. He did a few good things. He had a nice throw on third down. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like he looked the, he held the linebacker in the middle of the field. Then, you know, did, I, honestly, like that was a throw that I haven't seen Justin Fields do that kind of thing all year. Like holding a linebacker, knowing where we are going with the football, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I thought that Tyson Bajant from a, 
if you're looking for a couple of good plays, you can find them, right? There were some good stuff. That, there were good things that Tyson Bajant did for the Bears at quarterback on Sunday night. Uh, the team around Tyson Bajant, in my opinion, is pretty embarrassing. There was a throw. Velas Jones dropped a wide open touchdown where you're like, you're like hitting your head on the the your hand. You're just like, what the heck is going on? How is this possible? Uh, it, you know, Velas Jones like literally fell down and couldn't hold on to the ball in the end zone. Would have been the easiest touchdown catch of his life. That's embarrassing. That's frustrating. So, well, I thought Tyson Bajant did some good stuff. Probably had should have had another touchdown than he did. Uh, he was far from perfect. He was 25 for 37 passing at 232 yards. No touchdowns. Had two interceptions. Should have had at least one touchdown. Um, probably, though, he should have had four interceptions. There were two that were dropped by L.A., so it kind of all evens out there. For me, this was just kind of a difficult game to watch. Uh, you know, the Chargers were up 30-7. to seven. Chicago did get a late touchdown with two minutes left to make it respectable, I guess. Whatever 30-13 to 13 is, they went for two, didn't get it. But this game was never close, and, uh, you know, the, the storyline that is Tyson Bajant, I thought he really was okay. Like, he really did make a couple good throws, and I, I thought maybe with some help and better receivers could have scored maybe more and had a better day. The Velas Jones drop touchdown was insanity. That, like, drove me. I'm like, how is that possible that you can drop that in the NFL? Um, but on the day, Tyson Bajant wasn't enough to beat the LA Chargers. I said that last episode. I'm like, look, I, I think that... What he did week one was kind of unimpressive, and I don't expect him to have a great day against the Chargers. That, unfortunately, because I was rooting for the guy, I like him. Unfortunately, that was true on Sunday night. Now, Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert was absolutely fantastic in this football game. He was 31 for 40, passing at 298 yards, three touchdowns, zero turnovers on the day. That's incredible. Uh, Herbert only had like three incomplete passes at halftime. And so to me... I've watched a lot of Justin Herbert this year. This was the best game I've seen him play all year. He looked fantastic. Uh, he is dealing with a, a finger issue on his non-throwing hand. It does seem to affect him a little bit, so I think maybe part of what he's doing is he's, he's just healing up from that. Like, I heard a story. Apparently, there was bones sticking out of his hand, which is horrifying. Like, I, I wouldn't want to deal with that as an NFL quarterback, even on your non-throwing hand. And, uh, again, Justin Herbert had... Probably his best game all year, which, which that's what you should do. You play the Chicago Bears, a terrible football team with a defensive head coach that is supposed to have a good defense but never does. Uh, you're supposed to tear them up. He did that. Well done by Justin Herbert. And uh, the Bears' defense is shameful. <laughs> it just It's so frustrating, man. I don't know. Like I don't understand the, the benefit to keeping Matt Eberflus as a head coach in Chicago. I, don't, I can't pinpoint what he's bringing to the table to make the Bears a better football team. I respect him. Like, seems like a nice guy, and he should be a defensive coordinator. Like, when Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL, make Matt Eberflus your defensive coordinator. Like, Matt Eberflus does good stuff. He was good as a defensive coordinator, but he's been promoted too far. It's a Peter Principle, and uh, if you don't, don't know what the Peter Principle is, it's where you get promoted until you fail. Matt Eberflus probably shouldn't have been prom- promoted from defensive coordinator to head coach. He was great at what he was doing, and... Uh, does not appear to be great at being a head coach in the NFL. Let's talk about Miami. The Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots 31-17 on Sunday. Coming into this game, the story to me that was interesting was the Patriots offense. Because two weeks ago, week seven, I thought Mac Jones and the Patriots offense finally looked good against Buffalo. And I was like, hey, can they do it two weeks in a row? That would be really interesting. And I was like, can they hang with the really high-powered offense in Miami? And the answer was no. <laughs> uh, the Patriots offense was 
they weren't like abysmal. They weren't horrifying to watch or anything, but they weren't great. Um, it, you know, in fact, early on, I had hope the Patriots actually scored first and made it seven to nothing. But on the day, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones was 19 for 29, passing at 161 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And there's a play that is a great example of Mac Jones in this game because there were, to me, a lot of missed opportunities where you had good looks from the defense and Mac Jones didn't take advantage. The throw that sticks in my head really wasn't a throw, it was a play. Third and five in the third quarter, the Patriots on the 14-yard line. And Mac Jones had Devontae Parker wide open on a shallow crosser. He's looking that way. I don't know. In the pocket, he's looking. I don't know what he's looking at. I think he was trying to throw the, to the running back on like a little swing route. I think he kind of predetermined where he's going with the football. Devontae Parker was open on a shallow crosser. That should be an easy completion. It wasn't because Mac didn't throw him the ball. He ended up taking the sack. Patriots had to settle for a field goal. It was a really frustrating play. And that, to me, is a microcosm and a perfect encapsulation of what Mac Jones was in this football game, which was missing opportunities left and right, man. There were receivers open. There were little things here and there that he could have done better. And, you know, the Patriots got their second touchdown of the game with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was too little, too late. And uh, I think we got to start calling Mac Jones mid-Mac or uh, mediocre Mac Jones or something like that because he's not horrible. He really isn't. He does a couple good things here and there, but there are so many missed opportunities. Third downs are not great. And uh, I, I found this game deflating. You know, I, I thought, hey, you know what? Week seven, Patriots beat Buffalo. Is it a fluke or is it the beginning of something? And I thought it might be the beginning of something. It's looking more now like it was a fluke. And uh, just the Patriots are <laughs> they're two and six now. Things are pretty bad. And, you know, even if the Patriots had lost the game, but the offense had looked good, if they lose like 45 to 42 and the Patriots offense scores a bunch of points, and I would have actually been okay right now. I'd be like, yeah, great. But you're not playing good defense. And you're supposed to be a defensive team. You are not scoring points on offense. I don't know, man. I just, I found this game to be really underwhelming and mediocre for Mac Jones. And it's frustrating and disappointing because I hate bad football. It's not, I'm not a Patriots fan. I don't care who wins. I just, I, I want to see quarterbacks play at a high level. And Mac Jones is leaving so many plays on the table that to me are frustrating. Now, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa was 30 for 45 passing. He had 200 and, Sorry, he had 324 yards passing, three touchdowns, had an interception. He made some really good throws. And what really stands out about this Dolphins offense is that they are so capable of converting third and longs. Or even if they don't, like third and 18, if they don't get a first down, they'll throw for like 16 yards, make it fourth and two, and make it a manageable fourth down and go for it on fourth down. The amount of times that they were in third and eight, third and long, and converting or getting it to a fourth and short situation than getting the, the first down on fourth down, like... It's wild. The Miami was three for three on fourth down. And right now, you got to look at the Miami Dolphins at six and two as, I think, the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. I think Kansas City's up there. They just lost to Denver. Can't explain that yet. But to me, Miami right now, consistently week in and week out, looks like the best team in the AFC. And they should be considered the favorite for a Super Bowl in the AFC. Now, there was a really frustrating play in this game, a call particularly that really drove me nuts. The Patriots got called for pass interference uh, on a play where they stopped Miami on third and goal. And I want to be very, very clear here. I do not care who won this football game. Miami, Patriots, I just wanted a good game that was close and interesting. But um, when the Patriots got a stop on third and goal, 
it was it was a huge move for them. It was awesome. And then there was this BS nonsense pass interference call that got made where like objectively that was not pass interference. I don't know I don't know how like even the broadcasters watching were like, "Yeah, that's not that's not PI. I don't know what if that's PI, I don't know what is because it's confusing now." And that pass interference call on third and goal, a stop the Patriots made, gave Miami a second chance. They would go on to score a touchdown. I got to say this, man. I, I, I've said many times, I, I don't want to talk about the refs. I don't want to make this show about refs and make the refs a thing we regularly talk about. But I am getting really discouraged and frustrated because I think I'm losing confidence in the NFL. I'm really losing confidence in the integrity of the league. I hate that, but that's true. I'm wondering, for the first time in my life, the NFL's not scripted. I'll never feel that way. It's just not possible to organize that many people. I I do wonder, is it rigged? It, are, are these horrible, like, horrifying, awful calls getting made because they're trying to influence money lines or influence the outcomes of games? Because at best right now, I view NFL refs the same way I view, like, umpires in baseball, where we've got all this insane, really capable technology and we're allowing doofus idiot humans to make really bad calls and screw up games. And I, it's, I don't know, man, the really egregious, really insanely bad calls are just really hurting my confidence in the integrity of the NFL. Frankly, you know, it's either, either we have a broken system that needs to be fixed or we're doing it intentionally. And again, if it's ever proven to be intentional that the NFL is influencing the outcomes of games or influencing money lines, I think your boy Zach's going to walk away. I think I'm just going to be like, I can't, Screw all this. I, I I love football when it's good football and real football, but I can't I can't handle this nonsense where games are being adjusted and manipulated in little small ways to influence Vegas. It, that's how it feels. I don't I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel good. I watch football because I love watching quarterbacks. I think quarterback is the most impressive thing you you can do as a human. Like straight up, that's a baby. Yeah, a lot of impressive stuff. Like having a baby, pretty impressive. But my point is like playing quarterback is really difficult, and I'm enamored by the quarterback position. I view it like an art form. I love it. But I hate being manipulated. I'm starting to feel like NFL refs are making bad calls and it's intentional. It really is starting to grind me down as a football fan. I'm like, I, I can't rectify this. I can't make sense of it. And there was a play, Sunday Night Football, first throw of the game for Tyson Page and the Bears rookie quarterback. He throws a deep ball down the right sideline to Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney makes this really cool catch. He never got touched down. So he's not, he's not down. But the whistle got blown. The play was ruled dead. And it, for no reason. He was not down. The, the, he should have been allowed to continue running. It would have at least been a field goal, if not a touchdown for the Chicago Bears. And it never got explained. It was totally glossed over and like, whoopsie-daisy, my bad. And then they just move right on. Those are the kind of mistakes that are being made in the NFL right now from a referee standpoint that I find shameful. I, I find like, uh, hey, that's not acceptable. You cannot, you cannot blow a play dead when the guy wasn't down. I'm sorry. You got to let it play out. You got to stop calling terrible, terrible pass interference calls on that are like clearly not PI. We have to have a, either we need a better system where we can review calls and maybe challenge a flag here and there. Or it's intentional. And neither answer is good. I, I, I hopefully it's just a broken system. But I, I am finding myself kind of at my wits end with NFL referees right now. I, I, I don't. I literally say I don't want to talk about it, but I find myself being drawn into it. Like, the more I pay attention, the more I look at calls, I, I, it's like, 
I really feel like at this point I could make a weekly episode for like an hour breaking down every bad call in the NFL. I don't want to do that. I, I refuse to do that. That doesn't sound like fun content to make. But it's getting like really, really, really bad and embarrassingly so that I just am questioning so much about the NFL. Like I really am. I'm like, what are we doing here, man? How, how is this the system we have in place? We've got men that are not full-time employees of the NFL making objectively bad calls. They've got a chain gang, this little horrifying piece of chain link, you know, chain literally attached to a pole. And they're like, let's measure it's a first down with this technology from the dark ages, basically. It's like, how is this where we are in 2023 with all this technology and we're missing calls left and right? It's just getting unacceptable to me. And I, uh, I hate it so much. Let's talk about Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the 49ers 31 to 17 uh, this week. There's a couple big takeaways I want to talk about. Number one, in case you're not sure, Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, is fully healthy. That calf injury he had is fully healed. He made a play where it looked like the 49ers had a sack on him. He escaped. He like reverse pivots, gets away, throws a, the ball downfield for a big first down. Um, Joe Burrow is fully healthy. The Bengals are winning, and if that's true, then the Bengals, I think, automatically have to be considered a Super Bowl contender. Like, they look, with healthy Joe Burrow, they look totally different. They're a way better football team. He's mobile again. He can extend plays. Joe Burrow was incredible in this football game. He had four incomplete passes against the 49ers. He was 28 for 32 passing, had 283 yards, three touchdowns, zero turnovers on the day. Again, four incomplete passes against the 49ers defense. That's unbelievable to me like you gotta acknowledge Joe Burrow is back things are good things are healthy and the Bengals are now four and two they had a horrible start to the year they've really bounced back and I think Cincinnati now has to be considered a Super Bowl contender just given what we know about Joe Burrow given how good they've been in the past given the way they played today it's like wow okay now that Joe Burrow is healthy again Bengals are back in business now uh 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy had another bad game this week and it's getting really tough because I think he actually is making a couple nice plays a game like there was a couple throws he made he had a throw to George Kittle for like 32 yards into a tight window over the middle you're like that's a dang good throw like there are some things that Brock Purdy does that I love I mean he had a throw where I think it was on a deep corner route he got like leveled as he released the ball he's stepping into pressure he looks like Kirk Cousins like the best of Brock Purdy is kind of similar to Kirk Cousins quite frankly Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And on the day, Brock Purdy was 22 for 31 passing at 365 yards. Like he was moving the ball up and down the field. However, he had one touchdown and three turnovers on the day. He had a fumble and he had two interceptions. And the interceptions for Brock Purdy were the difference in the game on Sunday. Uh, His first interception was on first and goal from the eight-yard line. Throwing an interception in that situation takes off points from the board. I mean, you would have at least had a field goal, maybe even a touchdown. You eliminate that opportunity for the 49ers. So that's a seven-point loss, in my opinion, right there. And then a second interception, very next throw of the game, Brock Purdy's deep in his own territory. 
The interception gave Cincinnati the ball on the 17-yard line. They scored on the very next play. So I thought the two interceptions were basically a 14-point swing for the 49ers in a game where they lost 31-17. They lost by two touchdowns. That's a difference in the game. That's really, really bad. That can't happen. And, you know, I thought, frankly, also, by the way, Brock Purdy should have had not two, but three interceptions. His third interception of the day got wiped off the board by a roughing the passer call, but he threw three interceptions. He just got hit late, so it, the third one didn't count. And on the very next play, he fumbled, so it kind of was a wash. Anyway, he still had three turnovers on the day. Uh, to me, again, one more time, interception number one by Brock Purdy wiped away an opportunity for the 49ers to score a touchdown. Interception number two led to a Bengals touchdown. That's a 14-point swing on turnovers from Brock Purdy. And uh, right now, things are bad in San Francisco. The 49ers have lost three games in a row. That's awful. They started the year 5-0. and Like a couple weeks ago, 49ers were the favorite to make the Super Bowl. Now they've lost three games in a row. Cleveland, Minnesota, and now Cincinnati. And in those three games the 49ers have lost this year, Brock Purdy has six total turnovers, five interceptions, and a fumble. Things are turning sour, man. It's not good. And I think that I have done my best all year to be fair to Brock Purdy. Like, when people were attacking him after the first loss, I'm like, hey, it's too early. Like, you can't you can't watch a guy lose one football game and criticize him and say he's terrible. But now, a couple weeks later, three losses in a row, Brock Purdy, six turnovers in three games, and playing poorly in the fourth quarter a couple weeks in a row now, the Brock Purdy doubters have a point for the first time all year. Now now I will listen. Now it's been long enough. There's been enough bad plays. Where I'm like, okay, the people that doubt Brock Purdy suddenly have an argument that I'll listen to and I think makes sense. And, you know, also I'm, I'm pretty disappointed we didn't get to see 49ers backup quarterback Brock, uh, Sam Darnold, excuse me, play in this football game. Remember, Brock Purdy was in concussion protocol. He got cleared yesterday to play, so he became the starting quarterback again. I really wanted to watch Sam Darnold, given the, the struggles Brock Purdy's had the two games leading up to it, given that, you know, Brock Purdy, maybe, you know, you don't want to bench him publicly. That would be a, you don't want to, you want to save face for Brock Purdy. You could have maybe quietly benched him, let Sam Darnold have an opportunity, see what he can do. I think that would have been interesting. I know that's weird to say because Brock Purdy's your starting quarterback. You don't want to bench him. But now if you ever do decide to bench Brock Purdy quietly, it's not going to be quiet. It's going to be obvious and bad where you could have had an opportunity to just kind of see what Sam Darnold can do in a way that would not have impacted Brock Purdy's uh, you know, stock as a player or the way people view him, whatever. I don't know, man. Um, what I do know very clearly is the 49ers need a win, and they need to win soon. Seattle just grabbed the lead in the NFC West. Seattle's 5-2. and two, The 49ers are 5-3. and three. Seattle right now is the number one team in the NFC West. That's <laughs> They played their way into letting Seattle take the lead from them in the NFC West. And what I know about the 49ers is they are too talented to be losing games. They should not have lost three games in a row. I'm not in panic mode, but I am frustrated. I hate bad football. I hate when a team underachieves. And right now, the 49ers are underachieving. And their quarterback, Brock Purdy, love the guy. Great story, does some good stuff. Again, a couple throws in this game. George Kittle over the middle, you're like, wow, that's a great throw. A couple throws where he steps into pressure, takes a hit. Like, Brock Purdy does a lot of really good things, but he's not playing well enough right now. He's got to be criticized. He deserves the the some of the blame. And everyone knows there's too much talent on this football team for them to not win football games. So it's frustrating for me as a guy who just wants to see football played at a high level. I know there's better, and I know the 49ers are capable of more than what they've done three weeks in a row now, and uh, the bad football drives me nuts. 
Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins is injured, and uh, it's not good. Now, the Vikings did win this week. Uh, they beat the Packers 24-10, to but uh, Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, has now a major injury. Um, it's the same one that got Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, at least that would appear to be so. Uh, it's Sunday night for me, Sunday night. 7, 12 p.m. Hawaii time, so it's 1 a.m. on the East Coast. We'll probably wake up Monday morning and find out what happened to Kirk Cousins. Uh, the belief right now where I am sitting and as of this now now time on the timeline, I guess, um, the current belief is that Kirk Cousins has torn his Achilles. So that would mean Kirk Cousins is done for the year. That's painful. That's sad. I feel bad. I like Kirk. He's a very nice human. Seems like a great dude. He's also been playing really well this year. And I thought the Vikings were a playoff team. They were. They just got back to four and four after a really bad start to the year. They got back to five hundred, and uh, I had hope that Minnesota could become a playoff team this year. Uh, I, I said that a couple episodes ago. Now uh, the Vikings have to look to their future because their starting quarterback appears to be out for the year. And uh, Kirk Cousins, by the way, does not have a contract for next year. I would imagine a torn Achilles is going to impact his contract situation. Uh, does he gonna, is he going to make less money? Is he going to maybe leave, go somewhere else? I don't know. But I've been saying for a while, uh, I said this, you know, I went to a game last night, went to the UH, you know, Hawaii game. By the way, Hawaii got rolled 35 nothing by San Jose State. But my friend Joel, who I go to games with, uh, is from Minnesota. He's a Vikings fan. We were talking last night. I'm like, I think the Vikings should keep Kirk and then, you know, sign Kirk Cousins like a two-year contract, draft a quarterback in the first round, someone like Cameron Ward out of Washington State. You let the young guy sit for a couple of years, learn behind Kirk. Then when he's ready, you elevate him to starter. You move Kirk somewhere else where he retires. I like that plan. I still like that plan. I still think Cameron Ward's the guy I really like out of Washington State. Um, I think of the the quarterbacks available in the in the in the draft that we think are going to be available, right? Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr., by the way, do some research on him. He's good. He's got injured a lot in his career. Michael Penix Jr. is like a walking, um, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it's it just injury after injury, shoulder injuries. He's blown out both of his knees. It's, it's really scary to me to draft a guy like that who also isn't a great athlete as kind of an average arm. He's great mentally. Cameron Ward is really great physically. He can run. He can extend plays. He's kind of got a Mahomes-style play where third and 18, he'll throw a touchdown or make a big play and throw for a first down. That's the kind of guy I want working with Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. And maybe you bring Kirk back for a year. You let him sit. You let him learn. Then you make him your starter full time. But regardless now, without Kirk Cousins, um, the conversation in Minnesota has got to shift towards the draft, quite frankly. If they lose a lot, because I think that's what's going to happen without their starting quarterback, I think the Vikings could end up with a top 10 pick. But now, Vikings fans, you got to think about which rookie quarterback you want next year, quite frankly. Um, are you going to be so bad to get Caleb Williams? Probably not. So is it Drake May? I, I don't think they're going to be bad enough for that either, quite frankly. So is it going to be then Cameron Ward, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix? I don't know. I think of the guys that are going to fall to them and be possible, the options are going to be Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., or Cameron Ward. If Cameron Ward comes out, I would love to see that. I think Cameron Ward in a Vikings uniform really excites me. That sounds like an awesome idea. Um, you're going to have to teach him a lot. He's going to have to learn how to identify a Mike linebacker, adjust protections at the line of scrimmage. That's why I don't want him starting immediately. But, man, um, it, it's it's sad because it looks like Kirk Cousins' season is over, and so is probably then the Vikings' season. And your entire your entire city, the focus of your entire season, has to shift now towards what's going to happen in the draft and who do we want to draft in the first round this upcoming uh, spring. 
It is worth noting. Final thing I want to talk about today. Uh, I don't. I haven't watched this game yet. I just want to acknowledge that it happened because I, I I'm one guy can only watch so many football games on a Sunday. But uh, Denver beat Kansas City for the first time in years and years and years. Well done, Denver! Woo! Uh, and Denver, by the way, won two games in a row. So that's kind of, maybe they're making progress. Uh, Russell Wilson had three touchdowns in this football game. Patrick Mahomes had no touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, it's the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever lost in his entire career to Denver. Oh, and by the way, not that this matters, but uh, Travis Kelsey had kind of a bad game. Taylor Swift wasn't there. You know, it's kind of funny. I saw a video where the Denver Broncos, um, I guess the stadium in Denver, they were playing Taylor Swift after beating the Kansas City Chiefs. That's kind of awesome. I love that. But uh, Denver has kind of got the monkey out their back. They beat Kansas City for the first time in a long, long time. All it took was one year with Sean Payton, and they got him on the second try. So uh, good for Sean Payton. The Broncos are now three and five. Not great. They're not doing well. But um, maybe, maybe things are turning around in Denver. And uh, I have an open mind. I don't. I try to always be fair, always give people a chance, and it looks like Denver making progress. Russell Wilson, by the way, for all the criticism we give him, they've been losing, and that can't happen. But he, he isn't actually having like statistically a terrible year. I, I, like he's got good numbers, they're just not winning, which makes me. I, I've said before on the show, like I don't know what you do with Russ because you're paying him a lot of money and you're losing anyway. But the defense has been truly horrifying in Denver, so I. We'll see what happens there, but uh, just congratulations to the Denver Broncos and their fan base. You got to win. You beat Kansas City. It, you know, you finally did it after years and years of misery and suffering. So uh, well done to the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, just know the next episode is going to be like Wednesday. Don't if you, You'll get the episode tomorrow, Monday morning. Enjoy it. If there's nothing Tuesday, you hear radio silence. It's okay. Your boy, Zach, watching film. I'm like the... I'm like the every every superhero has like a hacker guy like who's got like four monitors in front of him. That's gonna be me this week, just watching film everywhere. Like, ah, wow, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Oh my God, I'm gonna be watching so much film. Don't worry if there's not an episode. It's coming. It's coming. I swear to you. I'm just one man working by myself, doing as much as I possibly can, trying to make a show that's visually entertaining as well. And, and by the way, please let me know. Um, I have made a change. The show is more visual than ever before. It's not really paying off. There's not more people watching than before, so I don't know if that... Do you guys like that? Do you appreciate the work I'm doing? I'm putting so much work into making the show look better than ever. The views aren't going up on YouTube. Uh, thankfully, we've got a lot of people on iTunes, so we're fine, but um, I, I've been trying to make the show get more viewership on YouTube, and I've been trying to put a lot of effort into the visual quality and production of the show. Is that appreciated? Do people like that? Do you not like that? Let me know, because I... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just honestly want to hear that people are paying attention because <laughs> I've, been, I've been working really hard on it. You stay up till 4 a.m. multiple nights a week editing. You're like, I hope I hope people are appreciating this at least. So I guess I, I love feedback. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.